Stand by to receive. The time has come. You ready? Go! Welcome to Off Script, where we talk to film tourists, filmmakers, podcasters, or anyone else who's interested in cinema. So this is kind of just like a little series called Off Script where we, you know, interview filmmakers or film tourists or kind of any anyone who's interested in film, really. Um, and yeah, I mean, we so recently I sent you the podcast earlier and we um, my buddy Jesse here picked the Locating Silver Lake because he's a huge Josh Peck fan. He's like, never really heard of this movie, you know, it looks indie and let's watch it. And we ended up loving it. So we're like, hey, let's reach out to Eric and see if he's down for a chat. So <laughs> that's awesome. I'm glad yeah, yeah. you guys glad you guys liked it. You're um you're one of the few, so I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I will say. Um, I shouldn't. So- I shouldn't say it like. I shouldn't say it like that. It's you know. It, it's 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 interesting. I think um, there are a lot of people who really like the movie. There's just there's um, it, it's it's just interesting releasing a small movie and and having kind of an interesting reaction. And I think um, I listened to some of your your podcaster the the you know the, the show you guys did about it and it's funny because the the stuff that there's a third guy right there's another yeah. guy yeah yeah mm-hmm. so like some of the some of the stuff that he didn't like about the movie is is interesting because and i and by the way which is which is fine he wasn't like a dick about it or anything like and everyone's <laughs> obviously like allowed to not like the stuff they don't like you know or or you know be which i think he articulated well like being predisposed to not liking certain things, which is just like mm-hmm. a matter of personal taste, which is totally cool. Um, you know, uh, but it's funny because some of the stuff that he that he hit on, I think is some of the reasons why some people don't take to the movie. But but I but it's funny to me because one of the um <laughs> he did the thing that because I when the when the film when I was on this festival circuit with the movie uh i took the film like around the world basically with with the festival circuit and so like i experienced a lot of audiences seeing the movie and like a lot of q and a's and like you know whatever and um it's really funny because the thing that he said which has been like the um sort of the stock like negative reaction to the movie which was like i found it very predictable but also it did a bunch of things that i that I didn't know it was going to do, which seems like sort of like a conflicting totally. like <laughs> thought, which is kind of, which is kind of funny. Um, but I think like one of you sort of, uh, the, the intention at least that like I had with the movie is like, I've, it is an odd sort of, um, it is an odd sort of structure because my, my point, which I think you guys keyed onto, which is cool. Cause a lot of people don't, even if they like the movie, they might like not get this thing, but I wanted the whole thing to really be from um, Daniel's perspective, you know, Josh Peck's character's perspective, which he doesn't in a lot of ways know what's going on or he's discovering what's going on as it happens. And so I think that that's kind of off-putting to a lot of people because they, you know, for example, like they see this meeting of him meeting this girl on the top of the mountain and they're like, what the fuck is this? This is like totally unrealistic and totally cliche or like whatever. And it's like, well, that's kind of the point. They're like playing him because that's what he wants. Like they know that's what he wants. He wants this romantic thing that doesn't actually exist in real life. Um, You know, and I think his journey is coming from like really wanting that thing to 
knowing to figuring out that actually that's not real and doesn't exist and life doesn't work that way, you know? And so it's funny because I think you guys keyed in on that a little bit, which is cool. Um, and some, some reviews of the movie and stuff like, you know, that were done when the movie came out, like keyed into that as well, like the positive reviews. And so it's, it's funny though, cause you go through it and like, you get some negative reaction. You're like, Oh, did I express this properly as a filmmaker? But then like, I listened to like your guys' conversation. I'm like, well, I expressed it enough. Like somebody got it. That's cool. So, <laughs> totally. you know, yeah, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, we honestly got that like right away. I feel like me and Jesse, I feel like we, right when we started the podcast, like, I feel like we both knew that we both really enjoyed it and it was, it was just a cool experience. And I, I, what you were saying about that whole, you know, Daniel and, you know, meeting the girl on the you know hill scene. I love that. I mean, if, if you heard in the podcast, I, I thought that was great. And I, I caught along immediately. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what, yeah. When I picked the movie, it'd been like a movie that we like had just seen the trailer for years, but didn't know anything about. Cause I think we had yeah. watched like Josh Peck's like take the 10 around like a similar time. Sure. You know, and so we, this was just always, and Joe would always, because I love Josh Peck, he would always be like, you gotta, when are we going to watch the movie? And I feel like we watched it, like not knowing what to expect. And then, but as soon as we started that podcast, cause we don't talk before we record it. And oh, cool. initially I was like, I really loved it. And I'm so curious. And Joe, uh, right away was like, I actually really liked it. And I was like, okay, cool. I think we're on the same page. Like <laughs> it really hit the spot. Nice. Mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah for sure I guess that kind of you know we can kind of maybe start the formal questionnaire here a little bit sure, yeah, yeah. um so I guess going with that just like kind of you know where did the story come from and you know what got you into writing this script sure um well it's sort of um and by the way I'm kind of drawing back in my mind a little bit because like I haven't watched the movie in probably okay <laughs> Two, two years, two and a half years, but I mean, no I've seen it probably literally a thousand times because I edited mm-hmm. it too. So like, mm. you know, oh, cool. Um, okay. So, uh, but um, I would say it's like 20% autobiographical. Like it's more just like vaguely autobiographical than it is anything specifically. Um, although I could kind of like, I could point to every character in the movie and be like, they're based on someone, but if you met that person, you'd be like, I don't see it, you know? So it's kind of just idea. Um, But um, yeah, I started writing it. um, I actually wrote it. So this is my second feature. Um, I directed a movie called The Submarine Kid that um, Finley Rock, who plays Seth in Locating Silver Lake, we wrote together. Um, And when we were in the process of getting that movie made, um, we were supposed to make it a year before we did. And um, like financing fell through, schedules fell through, like it was typical movie stuff. Um, and I had been working uh, as a creative development executive at a production company. And I left the company to make the movie basically. And when it fell through, I was like, well, that's cool. I just quit my job to make this movie and now it's not happening. Um, so I had had this idea in my head for a while or as like a basic idea. And I always was interested in the movies that I've seen that I guess, and I, and I don't, and I don't think that this movie is about a cult, you know, um, but obviously that's a strong piece of a big piece of what the movie is. Um, but I had never really seen a movie that, um, 
was a cult movie where we were coming at it from the perspective of the person that they are trying to get into the cult or even if we are they're either already in it or there's been nothing that i've seen where it's been kind of made clear how that seduction works or how that um why someone would even want to be in that in the first place and so i really kind of wanted to explore how does that work if you're the person that's kind of the mark um, how does it work to get involved in that? And would you go along with it or would you not? And so I wanted to at first come across it as this perspective of like, well, we've seen a lot of coming of age movies. Um, and I think maybe this is what your other buddy was maybe keying into is like, it's kind of got the outer shell of a cliche of, of a lot of coming of age movies, but that's sort of by design mm -hmm. um, because I, and I think a lot of those cliches are true when you go through that period in your life, like a lot of those things do happen. Um, so, and I think that Daniel wants those things to happen. Like, I think he actually is looking forward to all of those cliche things happening to him or expecting that they will happen to him. Um, and then to get thrown into this situation. Um, but I had, when I moved to, uh, so I grew up in LA, but I went to the East Coast for about 10 years. I went to school on the East Coast and uh, did work there for a while. And then when I came back to LA, I lived in a place super similar to where Daniel lived. I had a landlord who was like very close to what Jose was. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I, baby, I babysat for two kids. They were not the next door neighbor. I didn't sleep with their mom. Um, but, uh, you know, so kind of these like, this is sort that's why I say it's maybe sort of autobiographical, but not really. Um, so it's kind of springing off from a place of truth, but, um, but, but the details are, are not. And then, and then um, before we made submarine kid, this, this script got optioned really quickly. And I actually wrote it in, I wrote it in like two and a half days, the, the first oh, draft. Um, and you know, it changed a lot, obviously from that, but it kind of was a thing where it was like, I've never really had that experience before either, like before or since either, where it was just like, okay, this is coming out. I'm just going to keep going. Like I, I had, I think I had thought about it enough beforehand, um, and had this stuff sort of stewing around and these ideas sort of stewing around for long enough that it kind of, um, it kind of just came out very, very naturally. And then, um, we made Submarine Kid and then uh, the option stopped with the other company. And then once we had made that, uh, this producer that I work with, um, Deborah Del Pret, and she's done like really big movies, really small movies. Um, mm -hmm. She was a producer on Ender's Game and Green Street Hooligans and like a bunch okay. of different stuff. But then she's also done, you know, smaller films. Like um, she actually, produced uh, was one of the producers on Mean Creek that Josh was in oh, yeah, um, yeah. you know years ago so um so we so we had always been we had been working on this movie and had continued to work on it and so um yeah so so it was just kind of a natural next step to to try to get this one done and we were luckily we got you know cast attachments and the cast really wanted like actors were very enthused about the material. Like it was, it was a pretty, um, they, they, they really liked it. So I think that was easy to pull a cast together and, um, and just make it happen. So yeah, that's kind of the Genesis. That's awesome. 
Now that kind of yeah. actually brings my next question, but, and before that, I kind of want to just like reiterate that, you know, when I first started watching this movie, I think the first thing I thought was it was so relatable. So I, it's so interesting that you mentioned that it was like almost a personal experience. Um, Cause mm-hmm. I just felt, I immediately like the whole, you know, graduating from college, not knowing what you're going to do, you know, you're broke, all this stuff. I think that related to yeah. me and it stuck out to me immediately. And I thought that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm a huge cult movie fan. I love cults. Okay. And I, I think you did a very good job of depicting it in not in a very subtle way, because even though I, you know, as it was going, I was like, Oh, you know, they're getting a little fishy. Like I think they might be a cult and you weren't hundred percent sure, but you were, I still think how, and this goes to acting as well. Like they, they did it such a great job of, you know, performing and, you know, luring Daniel in per se to their cult. And I, you know, I think that's from writing to acting to directing. So I think you did a great job with that. Thank you. Appreciate Mm -hmm. that. But I guess for my next question, then, you know, casting, you know, was Josh Peck always kind of the lead? Was Finn always kind of involved? Because I love both of them. Yeah, I think just, Finn is amazing. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't write it for Finn, but okay. I rewrote it for Finn. Gotcha. Um, like, it was, like, very soon after, because in Submarine Kid, he plays a... Um, a Marine who has PTSD and is like, it's, I mean, it's not, it, you couldn't write like two different, more different roles for people. <laughs> um, but we've worked together for forever. We've been okay. friends since we were like 13, 14 years old. So, um, so we've worked, to, we've done a bunch of stuff together. We've done a ton of theater together. We've done a lot cool. of things. And so I kind of given it to him and said, like, what do you think of this part? And, and he was like very into it. And he's like a classically trained. He grew up doing Shakespeare and doing all this stuff. So I knew he could handle the language because the language is like such a big thing of Seth and 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 having some rather ridiculous things like roll off the tongue is, you know, difficult. And I knew that he would be able to handle it. Um, so he was he was attached pretty much from the beginning um, of the project. And then it's really funny because when when we started talking about the movie um, initially, I had brought up Josh, um, who I had really liked, but had only, because I'm not really like Drake and Josh generation. I'm kind of like Mm -hmm. right before that. Um, So like to me, I had seen him, I was like, oh, the kid from the Wackness and the kid from Mean Creek. Like that was more of my like in with Josh. Okay. Um, so I had um, I had seen that stuff and really liked him and thought that he, the, the tricky thing about Daniel as a character is like, he is obviously either clinically depressed or should be um, diagnosed as clinically depressed. Um, but putting that on screen for like an hour and a half could be very tricky if you don't have somebody who also has like the self-deprecating humor side to it down. So to try to find somebody who was, could get both of those aspects of the character is really, really difficult. And I had kind of pegged him early on as someone that I'd really be interested in. But when we started casting, he was doing, um, he was doing grandfathered the tv show mm-hmm. um and so it was just like an immediate like we're not even going to send it to him like he's busy right now basically and then we got kind of pushed a little bit and then once we got to that point we had been see we we started auditions and we started seeing guys and i was like no one is like 
they're either coming in like they're literally going to kill themselves in this audition room um, or they're like just not grabbing the tone of the character. Like I was like, this is really tough. Like this is a really hard thing to do. And I had asked again about Josh. I was like, I don't think he's doing that TV show anymore. Like, is it possible? Could we try to get him in here? So he had actually read the script. He came in for a meeting with me and he and I met for the first time and we talked for probably like an hour and a half. And it was very clear to me that like, he totally understood the character that he was into it, that he could like relate to it in a lot of ways that he was like, it was, it was just kind of readily immediate to me that like he mm -hmm. got it and could do it. Um, but I said to him, I was like, Hey, look, I know, like, honestly, you should just be an, like an offer only for this part. Like, and I should just offer it to you. I was like, I really need to see if you have chemistry with Finn because the chemistry between them is so super important. Like even more important than the chemistry with Talia right. um, is it's more important that he has chemistry with Seth. So I just said like, Hey, can you like, if you don't mind, like, could you come in tomorrow and like, just do this scene with Finn? I'll get him to come in. I just need to see you guys together and like, make sure that it's good. So they did, he came in, they did that scene at the restaurant, which is like this eight page scene. That's kind of like the turning point of the movie where like Daniel kind of breaks and mm -hmm. Seth kind of breaks and they did the scene like Josh was totally off book. He came in like totally prepared, just like killed it. And he like, it was like, yeah, this is your part if you want it. So, you know, like that was kind of the process of, of, um, of casting him. So it was, it ended up, I think it's, it's very difficult for me to imagine anyone else doing it. And I think, I think it's also like, if you watch, there's two, there's two performances for me that like, if you watch the movie, I think all of them actually, like if you watch the movie a second time, there's a lot going on that I think is hard to pick up the first time if you don't totally know like where it's going. Mm -hmm. um, that I think if you watch it a second time, you go like, wow, shit, like these actors are really doing some layered stuff that is really difficult. And like, there's kind of a higher bar to it. And um, I think with him and then with Aubrey as well um, as Talia, because she's playing this really strange thing where it's like, she's at the beginning like trying to follow a script basically and like she starts to kind of there's a scene with him and her at the diner where like she's basically saying stuff that Seth would say like she's basically like regurgitating shit but it sounds so fucking weird because she doesn't believe it and like right. doesn't really get it and it's like and he's trying to kind of ask her like what are you what are you saying like I don't know what you're talking about but then he's got his own thing which is like i've i i convinced myself that my life is going to be romantic so like this is an opportunity for romance i've got to make it work you know and like i've kind of described like where they're where they head as like i think they have love for each other but i don't think at any point do they fall in love like i don't think that they're in love like i just think that they they love each other, but it's not supposed to happen. Like it's not meant to be, they're not right. destined to be together. And I think he figures that out, you know? Um, and I think she does too, but I think what he does for her is like, I think she kind of sees a way out 
through him like and sees like oh like I don't have to be I don't have to be this I don't have to be in this thing um and I can get out of it like so yeah that was I don't even know what question you asked I went on (laughs) that was perfect that was great I mean yeah start off with casting ended with you know story I love it (laughs) um that it's so fascinating to hear because I mean you know, we're, we're part of the Jake and Josh era and I, I'm not super familiar with Josh Peck. Like Jesse loves him. And, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've seen Mean Creek when he was fantastic. And um, I've seen parts of the whackness, not the whole thing. Um, and, you know, after watching this, I was like, wow, he was a, he was really good in this movie. And um, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, watching the second time, because I watched this the first time uh, I was coming home. I was on a plane from New York or something coming back here. And uh I watched it and I was like, I really love that movie. You know, is it just the first time watching? I'm going to watch it again. I literally got home at like 1 a.m., <laughs> stayed up, watched it again because I was cool. like, I think I really love this movie. And I'm so happy I did. And it totally makes sense what you were saying about the characters. Cause, you know, the second time watching it through, I, you know, Finn, even Finn, every, you know, the supporting characters, everyone did such a good job of kind of just, you know, being their characters. And once you realize, you know, once you know the whole story, once you know how it ends, you can see it from the beginning and it's, I, I love that. I, I love movies that you can watch a second time and it's, you can see a whole yeah. new perspective. Yeah, so. definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool but, that you did that. I, I do think it, it's interesting because I've, I've talked to, I guess that's what I was saying about the movie in general. It's like, I think, I think the reaction is either like, I did not like that and I don't understand what it was or it was like, I love that and I want to watch it again. Like that kind of has been the, the reaction to it, you know? So that's, it's, it's, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now I guess that goes along with, you know, what other movies or what kind of inspired you to make this type of film? You know, are there any specific films that you watched or were you just kind of doing your own thing? Do you own ideas um, or? Well, I mean, I've always loved coming of age movies. Um, So I think from that perspective, like I've always kind of wanted to make either like uh, a straight up coming of age movie or some kind of variation on a coming of age movie, which I think this kind of is like more of the latter, like it's kind of a variation on that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's again, like based in the sort of like, tropes of you know what you'd say when you're like what is a coming of age movie you know um the graduate is like obviously a bit of a um thing there's actually like if you um i don't know if you noticed but like there's a shot where like josh sits against the fish tank and like it's that you could put that next to dustin hoffman sitting yeah. at the fish tank it's literally the same shot um and like uh so there's some there's some stuff like that that where it's like that's that's definitely one of them um i honestly did more sort of like research into cults um in in terms of like getting this because the stuff that was like closer to me which honestly is like the stuff at the house the jose character stuff like that like i knew what i wanted to do with that because like that stuff is actually kind of closest to like what i experienced personally like with that part of my life um so the the cult stuff I wanted to make sure I really got down and I gave all the people in the um all the actors who were like the main people in the cult I gave them all this book called Seductive Poison which is written by this woman who escaped from Jonestown oh, um wow. in the 70s and I especially like Aubrey and I like really went through it because it was like a very it it kind of it sort of matched like Talia's kind of 
perspective, which was like, I'm in this thing. I totally believe this and like, but I'm growing up in it. And so like, as I'm coming of age, I'm realizing like, this is not what right. I want. <laughs> um, so we did that. And then, um, and then I also asked Finn to, it's, it's kind of funny. I think one of you guys said this on the podcast um, that um, I was, in, I was intentionally vague about what the cult is and what it believes in and things like that, because again, it's coming from Daniel's perspective. So like, I didn't really want to give the audience more than what Daniel has, you know, um, that was like the way that I was finding into this movie. Um, so I didn't want there to be some big explanation scene. Um, but at the same time, um, Finn wrote this like three page manifesto, like as Seth that like distributed <laughs> to the group that like laid out what the cult is and like what it believes in and why it's important. And like, it's kind of, in boilerplate, it's like all about past lives and about like that there's a certain amount of people in the cult, like, you know, okay. um, Mac Robbie K's character leaves and like he replaces him with with Brody, who's like almost a carbon copy. And like, that's very intentional. And then at the end, you know, Daniel's gone, but there's a guy there who's like got a beard and a guitar. Like, it's like he's going for these stereotypes, like these types, you know, and um and so it was all kind of about past lives and about there's the painting that's up in their in their room that like it goes up to and it shows them with like the balloons going into the sky and like there's all these people and so like it's all sort of based on like past lives and essentially it's like <laughs> I think the thing that's funny is like the 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 knock one of the knocks on the movie has been like oh it's pretentious and it's like I think you're keying into like the things that Seth says which are purposefully pretentious. <laughs> Right, like right. <laughs> he is pretend he is a bag of shit. Like he's full of he's full of wind. Like the stuff he says does not totally make sense. Like it's kind of it's just like I'm going to say the most fancy shit that I can possibly say, and like I'm gonna make it sound good. Like right. I'm gonna make you want to be in this, and I've made other people, and like that's how cult leaders are. To be honest, like as a stereotype, like they're they're they use their sexuality. They use mm -hmm. like, I always talked about him being like, when I talk with the um, wardrobe, like the costume designer, I was like, he's gotta be a chameleon. We've got to like, he dresses very purposefully based on like what he's trying to accomplish in that moment that he knows he's going into. Like, it's all very calculated. It's all very, and then, and then at the core, it's all very, um, uh, it's all, it's all very um, self-hating, you know, like he's, right. he is very, um, <laughs> he has no confidence really, you know, it's all a facade. And I think that sort of cracks at the end when Daniel just like stands up to him and is just like, bye, I'm, I'm going, <laughs> you know? And he's like, what the fuck? Like I've never lost before, you know? Right, right. Um, and so um I don't even know what your question was. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, you're good. I, no, this is great. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> um, I honestly don't remember either. I was oh, too enticed with cool. what you saying. Um, but oh. I mean, I was just kind of kind of say like, you know, as a I'm big cult aficionado, I love like studying cults and watching things about them yeah. and listening to things. Um, I mean, it's hard to, you know, depict that in a, I don't want to say serious, but in a more realistic way, I would say, because, and, and I think this yeah, is a very well done. People don't know that they're, you know, you don't, 
you don't walk up to somebody and like, hey, do you want to join my cult? Like right, that's not right. ever what happens. Um, actually, right. it's really funny. The week before we started production, I don't know if you guys have seen this documentary called Holy Hell. I'm not sure no. if you've seen this one. It's about this cult that was in West Hollywood in like the 80s and 90s. And it's like made by people who left the cult. Um, and this was, I mean, we were literally like three days before production started, this thing came out. And I was like, all right, I think I'm going to watch this because like, I just, I don't know. I was like, I, I need to watch this for some reason. And so, you know, the, this script was written, we were cast, we were everything. And in this documentary, they pretty much like back up the story that we tell in this movie, like huh. almost verbatim. Like wow. It's very like how the seduction works, how this all like, you know, that this was all fun, that this was all like, we're, we're alive, we're living, you know, we're like, we're living on a different plane. The, the life that we have is more full and more beautiful and more alive than other people. Other people don't get it. And like, you know, just a lot of that stuff. And it was like, oh, cool. Like, I feel like it was kind of a good confirmation right before we started of like, oh, okay, cool. I think we're, I think we're going in the right direction here. <laughs> sure. Know? So, yeah. And then there's little touches and stuff too. It's like, I was kind of trying to do like some homages to like well-known cult stuff. Like when they go back into the room where like they all sleep, like there's bunk beds and there's purple blankets, which is like the heaven's gate. gate. I knew that yeah. immediately. I was like, this yeah. is heaven's gate. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like kind of, I kind of try to do some stuff like that and just kind of make it a little bit of an amalgamation, but um, you know, it was, it was helpful for um, it was helpful for Finn to, be able to articulate that um in terms of like what the beliefs were because i didn't ever really honestly don't really care about the audience knowing what it is i yeah i really cared more about just all the actors being on the same page of what they're doing so you know yeah that's, that's awesome I, I think my one of my favorite parts about it was they were younger you know finn's a younger yeah. man usually you see cult leaders and they're you know they're old they're older because they've been around for yeah. a while and i it, yeah, to totally. me i don't know if you listen to this part in the podcast but I mentioned that to me, it was like, they're an experienced cult, like an experienced cult. And they don't, they don't really know what they're doing, but they have this idea of what they want to do, which I, I yeah. loved about it. Even though if it's not yeah. true, I still love that thinking. About no, it's that. true though. A lot of the, I mean, in a lot of the cults that fall apart, like David Koresh at Waco, mm -hmm. like he was under 30 and like Manson was very young when he was doing the most of what he was doing right. and you know, all that. So like there are, there are those guys in there you know, they're usually guys. I shouldn't say they're always guys. Yeah. They're almost always guys, um, you know? And so, yeah, so it's, it's a totally different thing, but yeah. Cool. Now regarding locations is, you know, was Silver Lake always kind of the, the top, was that always going to be the location that you were going to, you know, I don't know if that was filmed there or just based there or whatever. Oh, it was definitely. So the locations are like, I'm actually very proud of it. And I made like <laughs> a very big deal about it. And actually it was, there are places we could have filmed that would have been easier to film from like a actual filmmaking perspective. Um, the house that Daniel moves into is literally like two blocks away from where I moved when I moved back to Silver Lake. Like oh, wow. they're <laughs> the same, like it's very, very close. All the clubs are in Silver Lake pretty much. Um, the, like the mountains and stuff, those are real places. Um, the, um, Gosh, what else? Um, pretty much everything is real. Um, and Seth's house is like, 
it's like right next to Griffith Observatory, which is, Sweet. I don't know, geographically, but um, there are, I, I get very, I, if I know a place and I'm watching a movie and the location and the geography does not make sense, I get very peeved. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like there's a scene in La La Land where like they're in, they're at a movie in South Pasadena and then all of a sudden they're on the beach in San Pedro and like, I know that's an hour and a half away from each other. So like, I know that doesn't make any sense. Um, I get like very, like, I don't like that mm-hmm. um, as a viewer, like it really takes me out. Right. So it was super important for me to make sure that like, that we were making it as real as we could and, you know, getting the locations in the right places. So, yeah, I mean, a lot, and a lot of those locations were like written into the script. Um, Cause gotcha. I wanted to, I wanted to make sure like, like when he goes to the first bar, I was like, this is 4,100 bar. Like I put the exact locations in the script. Cause I didn't, I didn't want to run the risk of like, I don't know, whatever, somebody reading the script and like wanting to do it. But like there was one, <laughs> I said, I, the script like went to this one exec and they were like, we want to make the movie, but like, we've got this production incentive and we can make it in Cincinnati. And I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to work, um, you know? Um, and right. I think it also like, it's very location specific, not just in like physical locations, but like the people in this. And I think it's like, I don't know if you guys have spent time in LA or, you know, or, or not, but um, a lot of this stuff is like, I think people from LA have a little bit easier time going like, I know, I know those people. Like, I know, I know, I know some of them. Um, And I think it can be a little disconcerting or kind of like, wait, are people really like this? And it's not that everyone in LA is like that, obviously, but like (laughs) the point actually was that like, LA is this melting pot where you have these like very working class people like Jose and Luisa who like are rubbing shoulders right next to Seth, you know, like that is what the city is. So, you know, I think that that's, um, and like Zelda Williams character kind of says that to him. She's like, this is not a city with a center. Like you, this is, this is, there's that, that doesn't exist here. You know, like it's all enmeshed and all, you know, so like, he wants to move like he he goes to silver lake because he thinks it's cool or supposed to be cool or whatever and like i love that line of like <laughs> when he's like it's silver lake adjacent and he to yeah. jose and he's like that's cool right like that's, <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 and that's and it's funny because like i mean i'm sure this happens in other cities too but it's like i remember i remember looking for apartments and stuff like when i moved back and everything was like something cooler adjacent to what it actually, you know, is mm. like where he moved, like where I moved is called Filipino town. Like it's next to Silver Lake, but it's not Silver Lake at all. And like, but every, like every real estate listing says it's Silver Lake adjacent, <laughs> you know? So like, uh-huh. it's kind of this, like, I want to be, I'm even romanticizing the place that I'm in, you know, without like, you know, needing to tell anybody. So I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's kind of trying to hit on some of that stuff, I think. Yeah. It makes sense. Cause honestly, like to me, the, the movie kind of feels like a dream. It almost feels like Daniel's dreaming. Cause you know, the end where he kind of just drives away, it's almost like, did that actually happen? Or, you know, it's, yeah, totally. which I love about it. Cause like, you know, when you move somewhere, I mean, we lived in, me and Jesse lived in Portland right after college for a couple of years and Oregon you know, or Maine, uh, Oregon. Cool. And then we moved, you know, I'm looking to move to Portland, Maine. Yeah, he's actually looking to move to Portland, Maine. So, 
Portland, Maine is awesome. I was just there. It's like one of my favorite cities. So I like cool. Portland, Oregon too, but it's kind yeah. of there's weird stuff going on in Portland right now. Yeah, especially recently. Yes. It's been yes. very strange. And we're glad we got there. there. <laughs> we used to go there all the time. Like my wife did a TV show in Vancouver. And so we would drive from LA to Vancouver all the time. And we'd like gotcha. go to Portland and like really love Portland. And I was just there this last summer and I was like, weird vibes here right now. It's a strange place to be right now. Yeah. yeah. Seth could live there. You never know. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I can't remember what I was going to say. Um, yeah. I mean, just the whole dream thing. It felt, you know, it felt like that for us, you know, when we leave in Portland, we were there for three years, but it still felt like we're like, did that actually just happen? You know, everything just kind of flies by. And now a question yeah. on Jose's character, you know, he was personally, he think he was my favorite. Well, I loved Seth, but if I'm going like actual good person, I'll go Jose. Um, <laughs> sure. I'm also a huge Raiders fan. So that was a bonus. Okay. <laughs> but uh, nice. was that, was that part of your personal experience? You know, knowing someone like him, you said your landlord was kind of like him or. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, so yeah, I had a, I had a landlord who lived in the back um, of the place that I lived in um, and like was very, um, like the nicest dude like I've ever met in my life and just like so um he was taking care of this place for his mom he had form like I, he had formerly been in a gang but like was not anymore and was like mm-hmm. trying to like clean himself up but like he'd have all these buddies come over and like it was like a sort of I don't know like um it was sort of this like intimidating presence that like once you cracked through it it was like oh, this guy's awesome. Like he's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, he, he didn't <laughs> like the scene in the movie where like he brings the bed in like yeah. with like, you no, know, like stuff like that would happen all the time. Like I was living in this place by myself and my, one of my buddies from out of town uh, was moving back to LA and was like, Hey, can I crash with you for a while? And I was like, well, this place is like really small, but like, we kind of like, let me ask the landlord or whatever. Like I go and ask the guy like, Hey, my buddy like wants to crash here. Like, is that cool? And like, he literally, I hear this banging and I'm like, what the fuck's going on? I like go into the hallway. He's tearing down the wall, literally tearing down the wall. (laughs) He's like, there's another bedroom back here. You guys can use this bedroom, you know? So like, yeah. Like, so it was like stuff like that all the time, you know? And like, actually he brought me, he didn't bring me a bed from a fire, but he brought me this guitar from a fire. He was like, Hey man, like, I think you like guitars, right? Like here's his guitar. Like I was helping like this guy clean up this fire. And like, I'm like, yeah, it smells like a fire. Like, yeah, cool. Okay. Like, so, so stuff like that. So I think honestly, his character is probably like the most drawn from a real person. Um, though Though again, it's like, not entirely, but, you know, m- more than, more than I think, you know, any of the others. So, um, yeah, it felt sort of very, um, I- and I think too, it's like, he's such a wake up call for Daniel because he's like, you know, Daniel's doing like what I think a lot of people do in their early twenties or something I certainly did in my early twenties where you're just like, something's going wrong. The whole world's against me. Like, I don't, I can't do anything right. Like it's never going to work. Like my problems are crazy. And then you meet someone who's like actually gone through like real things and it has found a way to find a way through and like actually be human in the world. And you're like, wow, I should shut the fuck up. Like, (laughs) yeah. Right. 
Um, yeah, so, I think his arc was uh, you know, one of my favorites of the movie. I just think, yeah. you know, him holding all those people, you know, they were there for a reason. And I thought that was, it would surprise me. And I, I love that aspect. It was just like a little cherry on top of the whole movie. So I thought that yeah, was Yeah, cool. and I think, I think like the whole movie, it's like, it's really a sort of style versus substance thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Seth is all style and no substance and Jose is no style and all substance. Right. And like, I think Daniel kind of, he's so drawn to like the shiny thing. Like he's not going to go hang out with those guys in that backyard, like every night, even though he probably should like, and cause he'd rather be at the club with this guy doing pirouettes, you know? Cause like, right. that's, he's like, I feel a lot like I'm feeling things. I feel immediately satiated by this, you know? Um, and so I think that's kind of the, the crux of the, I guess the argument of the movie, you know, is like, he kind of goes from thinking like, I just need to be around cool things and with cool things. And like, that will solve everything for me. And like, I think as it goes, he just realizes like, I'd rather be a Jose than a Seth, you know? Okay. Yeah. Now we were trying to figure this out on our podcast. Um, You just mentioned, you kind of briefly brought up the guitar but I was, we were trying to figure out if that was, you know, your idea or if that was Josh's idea, if he was like, oh, I can play or, but you just said. Oh, that. no, it's in the, it was in the script. It yeah. was. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. It was, That's it awesome. was in the script. And um, I had, so I worked at this production company that um, Jesse Dillon, who's Bob Dylan's son was okay. the head of the company. Um, and when I was there, like, I never brought up Bob, like I never said anything about him or like anything <laughs> sure. like that. I'd been gone from the company for a couple of years and I called him and I was like, look, I really want to use one of your dad's songs in this movie. Like, can you help yes. make this happen? Like I had never asked for favors from him or anything like that. And he was like, I can give you someone's number, like, which was great. Like, but that was it. He was like, I can give you someone's number and I can tell them to like, not be a dick to you, you know? <laughs> uh, so like, you know, so that was really awesome. Like, and actually it really helped with for me, I knew the music was always going to be like really important to the movie, like the soundtrack of the movie. Um, like there were certain things that I really, songs that I really wanted. Like I put some songs in the script that I really wanted, like, and um, we could pretty much get what we wanted after we got Bob Dylan. Like it was kind of easier. It was like, we have a we have Bob Dylan song in the movie. They're like, okay, cool. Like, you know, great. We want to be on, That's we want awesome. to be in the movie with that. So um, yeah, no, but you know, Josh, um, it's really funny because, I was kind of going on faith a little bit that like he could carry a tune Um, (laughs) because we did the table read um, and he was like, is it okay if I just like don't sing? And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, yeah, sure. Like if that's what, you know, if you're comfortable, because table reads are a little weird, like everyone's sitting there and you know, whatever, it's like all in one room and whatever. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So I actually didn't hear him sing until he started singing on set. And I was like, I was like, oh, (laughs) um so well he killed yeah. it so he did yeah, a great no, job. He was, yeah yeah he was awesome he did great he did great that's yeah. all that's so cool well sweet that's great um yeah now you mentioned earlier obviously when you write a script that's you know it changes you know i'm i actually work in video production i'm, I'm an editor myself um so i went to film school and everything and i totally get that screenwriting process where it just you know the first script is great and then you're like 10th draft later it's completely different now what yeah. were there any like how big were the changes that you had from the original script? I mean, you know, were there significant plot details, different characters? Was the cult always there? The cult was always there, but I think that the ending changed a lot. Like the ending went through a lot of different variations on like 
how does this story end? I knew I never wanted them to get together. Like it wasn't ever like a Talia and Daniel find each other at the end. Like that was never going to be the end of the movie for me. Um, but it did go through some different variations of like, is she going to get out? Um, is she going to, is there going to be some kind of catharsis between them? But I was like, I know that that can't really be because he needs to leave. Like that was sort of obvious to me from writing it where it was just like, he's not supposed to be here. And that actually, I think was more of like a, as I was writing it, it was becoming clear to me. Like, I don't know totally what the ending is, but I know he needs to leave at the end. Like that feels like he needs to go. Um, so that went through like some changes. Um, when and how his story about um, his parents and like his real life comes out, that kind of, it didn't change at all. Actually it was a little more, in the first draft it was like, it was like a murder suicide thing that the parents had like a murder suicide, which like made sense, but all, but I was, but the like every single person who read it was like that was too much that was too much (laughs) like can't do that um and you know so i was like yeah okay you're right that is a bit much um but the thing is it's like i think he's just like repressing a lot of stuff like he tell he tells her this story on the mountain about the guy with the umbrella and stuff like that and like this whole thing and it's like if you again if you go back and watch it again and then you hear his parents story like he's basically telling a different version of the same story so like but i don't think he even knows like it's the same kind of thing though it's like what does disappointment bring you and like if you're so if depending on how disappointed you get with what you think your life is supposed to be can you swerve it or can you not and like the characters and the stories he's telling like don't figure out a way to escape their things but he does you know and so i i think that that was kind of always a little bit of a thing um i'm trying to think of what else was like the care the characters were like the characters were always there like the, okay. the the base of it is the same um i think it was just like details and structure and you know how that all works in the earlier script actually the um and even when we shot it, I think in the script, uh, the girlfriend from the beginning, Samantha, like she kind of drunk dials him at some point in the script and like is talking to him and like kind of is saying, I miss you and like this kind of stuff. And it kind of like fucks with him. And we actually right. shot it that way. And then the only reshoot that we did was I took that footage and then made it that call where Talia calls him after the karaoke party and she's kind of trying to say like I can't leave this thing but like she doesn't know how to say it you know um and so I kind of reimagined that because it just felt like the girlfriend from the beginning it was like we're we're sort of done with this like this this is kind of like in the rear view now um you know and he's he's gone through his whole thing with that but I think he's sort of if not over it, then like, it's not at top of his mind, you know? So like, it felt like that was going to be bringing back too much of 
something superfluous. So yeah. I think that's something one of the reasons why I love the movie is because everything kind of just happens. There's no it's never drawn out. And I also love how his parents' backstory was kind of delayed. You know, you're like, why is this kid so depressed? You know, he just broke up with his girlfriend. You know, why is he so sad? And then it comes out later, which I love. And then, you know, when he gets the money, it ends. You know, he has the money. You don't have to worry about that anymore. You know, he moves in the house, all this other stuff. I think I love how it just kind of goes step by step. And that's what's really yeah. cool. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, yeah cool. I mean, now I mean, we can probably wrap up, wrap up pretty soon. I don't want to, you know, take much I'm, more I'm of your cool. time. Whatever, but... whatever you guys want to do is it's all good. You guys can edit it down later. You take out my boring rambling. <laughs> oh, yeah, and this is all, this is what we're here for. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess something we kind of discussed, you know, towards the end, I'm not sure if you listened to this part or not, but we, we were like, we would love to see this as a trilogy. Now, did you guys ever have any plans for like a sequel or anything? Oh, man. Um... <laughs> What would happen in the sequel? We were, we didn't really have anything, you know, nailed down, but we were basically like, we would love to see him. There could be, you know, two more films. The second one would be his next stage in life, obviously moving to a new, uh, a new city. I don't know what, you know, Salt Lake, anything like that, you know, it's got yeah, a similar vibe, something. And then, you know, it, he, 10 more years down the line. And then the next one's 10 more years down the line. Maybe he has a kid, like, maybe yeah, he moves, like or the, it ends with maybe he has a kid. He, yeah. The third film, he like moves to another city, meets his wife, all this other stuff. I don't know, okay. but I, we just didn't want this movie to end. We wanted to see his character just continue and figure his life out essentially. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of it. I, um, I really like movies and my, my first film submarine kid is, is it's got a, it's a totally different movie, but it's got a similar ending to where like the end of the movie is the beginning of okay. the thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of what you're, latching onto which does make sense where it's like and i i like movies that end like that um (laughs) i've always liked movies that kind of go like here's a hint of what happens next but like no details of it it's just like there is a next like there is a next thing this this continues beyond this um so that's cool um yeah yeah, i never i never really thought of thought of writing a a sequel or anything (laughs) like that but yeah yeah, I'd I be really, I'd be really curious to see like people's reactions of a sequel because I trying to express this right, like it feels like this movie. You know, like we talked about, like our buddy. A lot of the like criticism was almost like like an oxymoron. Like it was like it's a cliche, but I also didn't see everything coming, and it right. feels like a lot of things. It's like because it was so relatable, it's hard it's almost like there's things we don't want to connect with ourselves, like the bad parts of like different, like uh, Daniel or like Seth or all these things that like we are relatable in some way, if they're not even extreme, like we don't want to accept that. So it's like, we see the end and then we're like, oh no, of course I saw it coming. Cause I don't want to think I could be pulled into a cult. You know, so it's like a movie, it's like hindsight 2020 movie. And I feel like, it's kind of like what you mentioned too with um, Jose's character of like when you see someone who's kind of gone through it and come out and you're okay. Right. I'd be so curious if like, if that is true of like Josh's character not wanting to connect because we don't want to believe we could have done those things even though we like kind of know we we would. Yeah. Like, I mean, that came up. We were like, yeah, we would have joined the call. Um, right. yeah, yeah. But like if we saw his story continue and be like, oh, it is okay. Like, that's okay if I kind of like was would have been like that too because 
see how sure. it goes. Yeah, well, I think that that's just, I guess what you guys are latching on to, which makes sense is like, I think, I think that post-college period um, like is just super weird. It's just like, it's very, very weird. Like you're kind of expected to immediately be an adult, but like you don't really have the skill set, the life experience, the like anything. So you're kind of carrying on as an adult, but like there's obviously like infantile things, especially because like college is, I mean, at least in my experience, and I think a lot of people that I know, it's like summer camp for adults, you know, it's kind of yeah. it's not, it's not really real life. Um, but you're kind of made to believe it is, you know, because you get some freedoms that you've never had before. Um, but I also think like this is obviously a dude who is like has major fucked up shit with his parents um, and has never really dealt with it and has just tried to latch on to someone to save him. Like he is just like somebody, somebody take me, you know, somebody like take me in and fix me, you know, um, I don't even care. Like, and I think that's why he, like if he had better self-esteem or therapy, like he would not be hanging out with Talia like she's fucked. She's as fucked up as he is, you know? Um, and again, it's funny. Cause it's like, people will be like, Oh, another manic pixie dream girl. It's like, well, that's sort of the point. Like she is that at the beginning, because there are literally puppet masters behind her making her be that thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and so she has her own journey too. To me, like, it's, it's, it's clearly Josh's movie. Like it, it's not her movie, but at the same time, like, I do feel like she has a pretty defined arc and like a, a, a journey, you know, that she goes on where it's like, she's really going from like being in a, an infant, you know, to like, um, and just following along with like anything that she's being told. Mm-hmm. Um, because she also like doesn't have anything or doesn't even like, she doesn't even know who she is. She has no idea. And I feel like her journey is kind of similar where it's like at the end of the movie, it's like, oh, she might actually become a real person. That's cool. You know, like she at least has a chance to, you know, Um, because everyone in the movie who faces that stuff, like even like with Louisa, like she, um, you know, she sleeps with Daniel, but she's like, I'm actually, I'm out of, like, I can't be here anymore. Like, and it has nothing to do with you. But I think it also, the way that she handles that, I think is kind of another thing that Daniel needs because he hasn't had, you know, he has this girlfriend who's just like, I'm breaking up with you. Okay. Bye. Like, you know, and, and like, and his dad just like, I'm leaving Bye. my, you know, my mom kills herself basically like, bye. Like there's no, no one ever sits him down and says like, this is why this thing is happening. And she does that. And I think he kind of gets like, oh, this is healthy. Like talking about like <laughs> what's actually <laughs> going on, like it's healthy for you. And like understanding why people do things is healthy. Um, you know, whereas it's like, and he has the same, he has the same abandonment thing that happens with Seth, where it's just like, one day I'm your best friend. And the next day, like, bye like you're gone like you're out of my life like I'm not Mm. even gonna acknowledge you you know and um so I and and you know I think at the beginning Talia sort of like as she's figuring out like I don't actually want to be here Daniel is the only thing that she can cling on to like it's the only thing that she has that's not the cult so she's just like I need I need him like I need him so they're both like 
these super kind of damaged people who are like desperately wanting each other, but like very much do not need to be with each other. <laughs> so like, right. yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah. That, that's super cool. Yeah. I mean, I, we also talked about, you know, spinoffs, <laughs> Talia spinoff, Jose spinoff, Jose Adventures <laughs> would be great. We'll love to see him. Oh, that would be yacht. awesome. I would love to, I would <laughs> like love a little Netflix show. Jose is, I would love to make that movie. That would be, <laughs> that would be super fun jose travels the world yeah that would, that would be, be awesome. so great i think that was just like our whole you know our like roundup of the movie was we didn't want to stop watching these characters essentially so i think which i mean props to you guys i mean it's hard to do that i feel like because a lot of movies you just hate characters i mean and seth you hate it obviously but you know he dies so it's kind know, of it, funny too because there's like <laughs> there's this like whole small little like sect on the internet that are like, I love Seth and I hated everything else about this movie. I'm like, man, this movie was, this movie was, was desperately not for you. Like this movie was like, couldn't have been more not for you. Like oh um, you, you are, you are the mark. You are, you are in the cult. Um, cool. Yes. Like, but you're, you can't even see that. Okay, cool. All right. You know, like, so, and, and that's funny too. Cause like, I haven't, I haven't really had that experience before with another project where it was like, people were very like, I like this person and I don't like this person. Mm. And like, I think it's really funny. I, I have this, I have generally an issue with like people not being able to, and this isn't about this movie in particular, but I saw it happen with this movie, but I see with like a lot of movies where like, or TV shows where like, why would they do that? That care, like they're stupid. I don't like this anymore. It's like, well, they're portraying a human being who's doing a thing and like maybe right. there's a reason for it and like you don't have to like them but like are the mechanic like i don't know i guess this just gets into kind of <laughs> like what is good filmmaking is like is very it's it's subjective but then at the same time it's also like you take a movie like this where it's like well again like and i'm not saying this is like oh my god like i've made the greatest movie of all time and like i don't even really like defending my work because like like your other buddy it's like you're very free and allowed to like not like the movie like i you know it's cool um and i don't ever really feel the need to like because i've had that before work <laughs> like explain to me why i should like this i'm like well if you don't like it it's okay like <laughs> right, it's totally, right right you're allowed to not like the movie um the thing that like i press back on is like if people like, cause some people like there's plot holes. I'm like, where? Like, there's actually not like, it's, right. it's, it's fine that you missed something or like, or, or I didn't, um, or I didn't do a good job of portraying something. I'm like, but I'd be very hard pressed for you to explain to me like where there's a plot hole or where there's like something that doesn't make sense. If you're looking at it from the perspective of the characters in the movie, not of like, mm -hmm well, I don't like the decision they made. It's like, well, you don't have to. <laughs> All right, don't watch it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but um, but I just always think that's funny. And I've, I've tried to, it's been a good lesson for me too of like um, in watching movies. And I think, I think like film criticism at this point, at this juncture in like the world, um, I've always felt like the job of a film critic is to, break down for you what the filmmaker is trying to accomplish and then whether or not they accomplished it or how well they accomplished it or not not to say 
I like the movie or didn't like the movie. Like that's mm. actually kind of secondary, you know, yes, 100%. <laughs> um, which is, which is a weird thing. And like, I, but I, 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 I found it a lot in this, in this movie, um, you know, and going around with it and, and having people be like as enthused about it as you guys are. And then like having other people just like totally dismiss it. And, um, and it's, in, it's just, it's just interesting. Um, you know, and I also think it's like, I think it's hard for a lot of people in the last like five to 10 years to like, um, to, to, do to accept um earnestness in movies mm-hmm. um you know like i think that the i don't know whether it's like marvel cheeky fourth wall breaking or like what exactly it is um that has just kind of like hey cat um <laughs> <She loves it. laughs> who has um that has kind of um made it so it's harder to to, to be earnest and like be be like that in a movie like um you know is it is it cringe for daniel to tell his story maybe um but is it also like what i felt like the character needed to do definitely so like right. i don't i don't know you know i don't know what the answer to that is like i don't have the answer um i just think that it's it's interesting yeah no i 100% feel that i mean it's I mean, even just, I don't do films professionally. Obviously I work in sports, professional sports, but okay. you know, going to film school, I had to make films, you know, going to school and it's kind of like the same thing. I mean, obviously not on a certain level, but it's like, you know, I do this for a specific reason. Like you don't have to understand it, but if you do great, you know, it's yeah. not a, it's crazy. And like, I'm a huge horror movie fan. So like I have to, I defend horror movies all the time where it's like, why would that person do that? I'm like, you don't really know unless you were in that situation. You know, it's like you say you would run away, but would, you don't know, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I don't know. It's I was curious too with just being such a character-driven movie, which it's funny now realizing like this has come apart. I love character-driven comedies. That's like my like Christopher Guest movies. And like sure. and like this was a movie where it's just like the characters were so good. It's like didn't like I'm just curious too, like if there was improv at all, I guess, in or like how close to um, the script. Not, not a ton. Um, you know, um, I certainly gave them the opportunity, like, it's actually funny because when Josh and I started, like, um, when Josh and I started, like, going over the script and, like, getting into, like, the individual scenes and stuff, there'd be some times where he was, like, I want to change this to this or whatever, and, like, I'm usually, I'm usually pretty, like, on board with it. Um, I'm not like super precious about like, it has to be word for word, this thing. Like if it rolls off your tongue more naturally as where you need to change two words, like let's not fit like a square peg into a round hole, you know, like let's just get it done. Um, I think we planned to do more improv than we ended up doing. Like, I think as we went along, it was like, oh no, the scenes are like, they're, they're working, you know? Um, and like, I kind of gave Josh a little bit of freedom to like, if you want to do this. And I think maybe I'm trying to think if any of that even ended up in the movie. It's like, I think there's maybe a couple scenes that Josh has. I think I want to say mostly with like Luisa and Jose, where maybe there's like one line or something thrown in, um, but it's, huh? it, it's pretty much the script. Um, yeah. And I think, and we didn't end up cutting 
it's funny because with my first movie, I ended up like wholesale cutting like four or five scenes from that movie. Just like oh, take wow. the scene. We don't need it like that. <laughs> this in editing this one, it was more like, I don't think I cut out any, there's one, there was one scene I cut out like, but otherwise it's like, it was trimming around what was there. Like there wasn't a lot of, there was a little bit of reshuffling a couple scenes, but like nothing kind of just like dropped out of the movie. Um, you know, but that's, yeah. I mean, that's great. Yeah. 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 So now kind of going on with that, is it, I mean, you direct wrote and edited this, like, did you have a favorite part of doing that or did you just enjoy the whole thing? I, I like all of it other than the okay. financing, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not fun. Um, but I'm not really, but to be fair, I'm not really involved in that part of the process okay. um, as much, which is actually probably why it's frustrating. Like, nor do I want to be involved in that part of the process, but it like is difficult to sort of sit and be like, hopefully someone will call me today and tell me we have the money to make this movie, you know? Right. Um, no, I like, I like, I like all of it. I like all of it. Um, I really like editing um, because that does feel like, um, I, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman made this analogy and I really like it in terms of making a movie. Like the shooting the movie is just gathering ingredients and editing is actually cooking the meal. Like yes. you're actually putting it together and you're being like, oh, need a little bit more salt, need a little bit more pepper, like mm -hmm. lose this ingredient, like put this one in, mix it up, don't mix it up. You know what I mean? Like, so that is kind of cool because you, you have all the pieces and you, so the way that I work is like, as I'm shooting, I have an assistant editor who's basically making an assembly essentially um, of the movie. So that like, when we're done shooting the movie, I think I had like two weeks off and then I got the assembly and then it's like, and the assembly is like, at least in my experience. And I, as every other filmmaker I've talked to as well, like watching an assembly makes you feel like you have failed in every way that anything has like ever happened because like the assistant editor is basically just going off of like the script supervisor said this take is good and this take is good so like right. i'm going to use those two takes i'm going to mash them together i'm not going to cut for continuity i'm not going to care about sound i'm not going to care about like anything and it's just like you watch it and you're just like <laughs> this isn't a movie this is not a movie oh my god that's horrible um and it's like three hours long you know and oh it's just god. like what what the fuck is going on um but no i really i really like editing um and i i knew i knew i was editing this movie which made directing very different too right. um in terms of just like very much knowing um okay, I don't need this, or I, I need more, of, I need to get another piece of coverage. I don't have enough to cover this scene. I'm going to need another angle, or I'm going to need something to cut away to, or blah, blah, blah. Or like, there were some scenes, like one of my favorite scenes in the movie, like, and I think that it's, they just did a, such a great job acting it, was when, um, when Louisa comes home and she's kind of drunk and Daniel's on the couch and he gets up and she like gives him a drink. She's like kind of trying to come on to him and he leaves. Like that's all shot in a one -er, And like, that was never the intention. Like we were going to, I was going to shoot maybe six or seven setups for that scene and like cut it all. And like, as we were shooting it, like, I was just like, I just want this, like, this is, they did it. They nailed it. So like, I just want to sit in this. I just want to be here with them. So like, no, so knowing that I was going to be on the editing side of it, it was like, you're also, you're also kind of taking the risk too. Cause it's like, 
just me being, you know, me like right. convincing the producer, like, this is good. Like, we're good. I don't want anything <laughs> else, like, you know, which is like always a little nerve wracking. Like mm. I, I wrote, I read this story about how when, um, when Wes Anderson made Bottle Rocket, um, like the studio was like, what the fuck? There's no coverage. <laughs> like he didn't do anything. It's like, there's nothing to cut to. And like, but he did it very purposefully, obviously, because he was like, I know how I want the movie to feel and I know how I want it to look. And so like, um, you know, and we only shot with, I think there was only one day we shot with two cameras. We pretty much shot with one camera oh. the whole time, um, which like, can be difficult for the actors a little bit and I think there's a balance of trying to figure that out but at the same time it's like it's very much in my opinion better for the director and for the editor because you're really like and for the DP too like you're not lighting for like two shots at the same time right I really like doing that so um yeah and it makes it less random and less sort of like you know, there's some shoots where it's like they're shooting with three or four cameras and it's like, well, you obviously don't know really what you want this to be. You just like want to figure it out later. And like, sure. I never feel like that's a great idea, you know? So, right. That's yeah. so fascinating. Cause like, you know, I've cut a lot of things where they've done, you know, three cameras and it's like, yeah, yeah. It's, oh, it's awful. I do not like doing that. Um, but also, yeah. you know, one, I mean, camera... I've only, ever, I only like doing it if there's like a stunt or something, you sure, know, where sure. like you need to, like, it's like we have right. one chance to like a fight scene something like that yeah yeah, totally and i think something that sticks out to me is you know one camera you need good actors for one camera you know they gotta nail it i mean luckily digital now you can do a million takes but like you still need good acting you know and it's i i think of like one of my favorite directors now is ari aster and i think he he does that very well and same with robert eggers um the witch and hereditary i think in midsummer i think they've captured that perfectly and they got good actors and they don't have to cut that often and i think that's it's great it's a cool way of filmmaking so absolutely yeah I would love to I would love to do even I'm getting very much into like more minimalist stuff like I I I like I like not cutting and like I think like P.T. Anderson's my favorite filmmaker and like always has been and like Magnolia for me like sort of like opened up the world to me like when I like it came out when I was like a freshman in high school and it was like very like, oh my God, you can do this. I didn't know you could do any of this. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> and like, and I think like, it's interesting cause coming from him and like, he's obviously like a Scorsese devotee and uh, yeah. Altman and stuff like that. So like his winners are more like technically proficient and complicated and things like that. But like, I've come to really love like Linkletter and people like that who are just like they're doing wonders but like it's nothing fancy it's just it allows the two people to be in the room together at the same time and like mm-hmm. that just feels very human and very real to me and like I, I um I mean maybe someday I'll make something with a bunch of VFX and stuff like that but like for now it's like I'm much more interested in the human stuff and like making more realistic based things like I just think that that's the style that I gravitate towards and so I think that that filmmaking does a good deal of um you know lends itself to that kind of thing totally yeah yeah. oh yeah 100% agree with that for sure yeah it's funny like as an editor like I prefer not as much editing I don't know it's weird it's hard to explain yeah totally (laughs) yeah well sometimes I mean that's no that's that's totally true though I mean I think I think that that I've seen that happening more often than not where um Mm -hmm. 
you know, I think, I think there's just a big culture of like, um, you know, geeky film making stuff. And like, I don't even say that in like a positive way, but like a negative way of just like, what did you shoot on? And like, how it's right, like, right. well, like, honestly, you watch, you watch a film and it's like, who gives a fuck? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. it really doesn't matter. Um, you know, it's, it's very rare that like something, although I did just watch something. What did I just watch? What did I just watch? I, like I have oh, the I reaction for the first <laughs> for the first time in a long time where I was like, man, I really wish they shot this on film. I have to figure out what it was. Yeah. I got to know on. this. <laughs> I, Cause I, I, it was like, Oh, Oh, Macbeth. Did you guys see? Oh, no, we're actually reviewing no. it on our podcast this weekend. So oh, okay. Cool. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, sorry, I, hope, I hope I, I hope I didn't screw it up for you. Oh, um, no, I, I, no, I really liked it and I thought it was really good, but I, but I definitely like had a reaction of like, everything in this production design and everything everything this is doing is screaming for this to be shot on film and it's definitely digital and like looks like it and i'm just like man this is oh. such a bummer this is such a bummer um but you know that's so i'm sorry i hope i didn't ruin it for you um but <laughs> what it's, can you like do? A, it's like a 600 year old play yeah. you know yeah <laughs> Wait, was it one of those things where they added it in post like the green and everything or was it it didn't and they didn't and then oh, that way okay. it's like and in that way, it's like, you know, that's, but, but honestly, it's like, I almost wish they did in a way, like, yeah. I don't know. It just, it looks, it looks very clean and the production design is really clean and stuff too, but it just, um, and, the, but like the lighting is so good. The shot composition is so good. Like, um, it's just, it's, it's obviously going for like a sort of, I don't know, seventh seal type of thing. Mm -hmm. I actually like, um, it's really weird that, that you just said like about Robert Eggers. It was like, I was like, man, I wish they shot this on the cameras. They shot the lighthouse on. Like it just, it kind of like, it, it's sort of like it, it, it just lended itself to that like aesthetic for me. Um, and just, and just wanting some grain. Like, I don't know. It was weird. It was, and I don't usually get a, like that about it, but I try to just like, I would always sort of base that kind of stuff on like story. Like what, you know, what is the story we're trying to tell? And like, how does right. that work? Like, not that, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm one, one millionth of the filmmaker that Joel Cohen is. So I'm not trying to like, be like, <laughs> I know better, but you know, but I was just like, Oh, this is, this is weird. I, I, I want this. So I don't know. Yeah. Gotcha. No, I feel that sometimes you're watching a movie. I totally hundred percent get that. I'm like, I yeah. kind of want this, you know, a little more grungy and grainy yeah. and, you know, yeah, just totally. old school style. So yeah. I feel that. Yeah. Really. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, sweet. Jesse, do you have any other questions? No, I was just curious if you're up to anything new now or what you're focusing on or if you want to plug anything or <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't really have anything to plug um, at this moment, but I've um, I'm working on, I'm working on a few things. Um, cool. They're kind of in process. Um, the pandemic has been just awesome. It's been the best. Um, <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's been a massive, you know, fuck all for everyone, obviously not just for me, uh -huh. but yeah. um, you know, it's, it definitely changed things and it's, weird and i'm like i'm interested on the inside as to like where independent film goes at this moment um you know and and i'm i'm a little nervous about it like just what it's going to be or what it is cuz um it's just getting harder and harder to make movies that um like are not either a micro micro movie or a gigantic movie. Like the in-between just seems to be sort of evaporating. And mm -hmm. um, 
that's where I would like to be working, you know? So it's kind of like, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. So I, I think we'll see what happens, but no, I've, I've got a, um, I've got another feature that I've written um, that I probably won't direct. Um, and then I've got some other stuff that I hopefully will direct. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I think that's cool. a good point. Another reason why we like this movie is because there's not a lot of, you know, more recently, at least there's not a lot of movies that are in the middle like that. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I, as a horror fan, I watch a lot of low budget horror movies and then yeah. You, know, yeah. you have the Marvel films and it's like, where's that little, you know, in between. So appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> sure. def it's, um, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. I like, I, I, I'm like, not, I'm not, um, I'm not super pedantic about like, it has to be like the highest production quality ever. Like that's not yeah. like what it is, but it's like, I also though don't really want to make a movie on my iPhone. Like no, no, right. no, no disrespect to anyone who is like, I, you know, I think it's cool that people are doing that shit. Like it's actually amazing. Um, but I just don't really want to, <laughs> um, you know, and I'm, and I'm wondering like where, just where the industry kind of can go or does go. And um, that's a whole other tangent, but uh, you know, the, the, the festivals and all of that kind of stuff, like stuff has really, really changed. Even the couple of years before the pandemic stuff has really changed. Um, and um, I think it's harder and harder to be outside of the system because everyone sort of needs the system. Now, if you want any kind of radar to happen, mm -hmm. like the, the I'm Kevin Smith and I'm going to take clerks to Sundance in 1994. Like that thing is not a thing anymore. Right, like it's right. just, you know, the, the, the festivals and the, the places that are supposed to be kind of, or have traditionally like shepherded new talent um, and have like shepherded projects that are not either like star studded or agency packaged or things like that. Like they're now all sort of catering to the agencies. And so it, and to the to the star-studded stuff so even like if you look at any like of the big festivals and you look at their lineup you're like even as a like just a casual film fan you'll probably know someone's name in each of those movies and like right that's great but it's also not because <laughs> it just yes. it leaves a lot of room for people that I think are coming up and how do how do the new filmmakers get into that system and you know i i fear we're gonna lose like sort of a generation like actually even like the guy like it seems like ari aster and damien chazelle like there's not a lot of people who are like in the 20 to 35 range who are mm -hmm. like people you'd know their names like or right. even like know what they're doing you know um yeah. and even some of the newer you know, filmmakers like, um, like Barry Jenkins or Chloe Zhao or something like that. It's like, they're a little bit older and they kind of right. went about it in a different way. And even you know, Jordan Peele's older, you know? Yeah. And obviously like, I don't think he would have gotten the opportunities he did, except that he was a name from, you know, right. being an actor, you know? Right. And so like, I just, I just, I don't know. I hope that there's a solution somewhere. I feel like someone has it. I just don't know who it is. I agree. <laughs> you know? 100%. I feel you. Someone, <laughs> someone has it somewhere and, you know, but I hope that like, you know, Robert Eggers and like Ari Aster and those like, they're going to keep making great movies. I, yeah. I am sure of it, you know, but um, it's like, I don't know if you guys saw Licorice Pizza, but like. Not yet. Okay. So like, it's like 
only PT, like there's three or four people who can make a movie that's at that budget level with like two lead actors who no one's ever seen before. Um, and then like roll it out only in cinemas, like very hard fight against like not letting it come out on digital yet. And mm -hmm. like, it's just like, there's so few people that can do that and right. like actually get their stuff into the world. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm hoping that at some point it doesn't need to be me, but I'm just hoping that that people who are coming up and trying to do cool work. That's like not quite the mainstream are, are able to do it or able to find yeah. a home to do it and do it at the budget level that they should, that they should be able to do it at. So totally. And I mean, I mean, we're just, I mean, personally, I'm hoping for more, you know, I mean, I love A24, obviously. So hopefully, yeah, you know, yeah. more more people like them can kind of, you know, fund these or distribute yeah. these types of films and keep that alive. Yeah. So yeah, and I know like Elijah Woods got his little SpectreVision company, and yeah. he loves that. And it, there's yeah. a whole there's a there's a community yeah. for it. it yeah, I think genre. I mean, I think genre stuff will always be able to find a home. Yeah, like true. I think like especially horror. Like it will horror will continue i'm not like i'm not yes. worried about horror i don't think like no. people will fund horror people will shoot horror people will watch horror like um i'm more sort of worried about just like can you make a can you make a drama that's not based on uh it's not a biopic that like gets a decent budget like right. just like right. it's yet to be seen so you know unless you're ridley scott and you can make the last duel but then like that's like you know again it's like prestige <laughs> filmmaker you know so mm -hmm. we'll see we'll see I, I i there's hope somewhere yeah so yeah. i totally get that though it's like you know speaking of biopics like i'm a huge biopic person but like i want it more at a like an indie level you know like i think of i'm trying to think of uh, the title of the movie but it's um i mean you have like i can't remember the name of it but it's uh it's like they're almost too produced if that makes any sense it's almost like they have like yeah. I don't know. Well, it's I think just like it's the same. Hollywood. I think it's the same. I think it's the same way as like Marvel movies and stuff like that, yeah. where it's like, you know, the formula going in. They're not right, really right. going to divert from the formula. Like, I'm not. I'm not personally like a big comic book movie guy. Like, it's just not my thing. Um, and every time that there's one that like people are like, this one's different. I'm like, okay, fine, I'll give it a try. <laughs> and I'm like, eh, <laughs> not really different. Like, it's mm -hmm. the same. It's the same thing, you know. Um, yeah. Like to me, the like the only one that I've watched where I'm like, oh, that was actually different was Logan. Like, it's yeah, kind of like a totally. movie, but obviously was like not Marvel and was like sort of the outsider movie. But like, mm -hmm. I even watched like like people were like so like, and I get why people were enthused about Black Panther and like. I don't, you know, I don't think it's bad or anything like that, but I watch it. And I'm like, it's, it's the same thing. It's a like, movie. It's the same, I'm the same know, exact way you are. Yes. You know, it's the same thing. <laughs> and it does feel like they bring in directors that like, um, it, it's, it's weird that like the indie film directors who like are successful, like you take like Colin Trevorrow, like from, from making safety, not guaranteed. And then you're like, we're going to give you Jurassic world. And it's like, right. man, there's a middle, there's something in between those two movies, you know, like let's, let's find that. Or like Chloe Zhao, it's like Nomadland Eternals. It's like, <laughs> uh, I think we've missed a step here. Like, I think there's something, you know, that, that director should be given, you know, that like, yes. you know, so, but, but cynically, I think that that's also because I don't know how much those directors are really putting their vision yeah, onto those honestly, movies. Like totally. it seems like it's like Marvel obviously has their thing, but it's like there's a showrunner of those movies basically. Like Kevin Feige is like 
Right. He he's does the guy it, yeah. describing the movies. And so like, mm-hmm. they all look the same. It's all like, you know, so like, and it's yeah. cool. Like, I'm not, I don't want to like, you know, knock anyone's joy or anything like that. Like, mm-hmm. obviously people love those movies and like really, you know, are into them. So like power to you. I just, I think when like Scorsese and stuff, like start talking negatively about those movies, I don't even think it's a negativity towards those movies. I think it's a negativity at like the space those movies take up that takes yes. up something else that's not there anymore. So like, where do we go for that stuff? 100%. And then something gets released on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or something. And it's like top of the queue for like three days. And then you've ne- you never see it again, you know? And exactly. it's kind of like, it's like, man, we need, we need, we need something else to like yep. slot there so yeah that's something like you know james wan to me i love james wan i'm a huge james wan fan uh david sandberg and i i I really appreciate them because you know they do these they start out with these lower budget horror films then you know they go to do aquaman and shazam but then they they i think they they're just like i can do both so they went back yeah i know like sandberg's doing you know animal creation and wan did you know he's got a couple more lined up and i'm hoping that they stick with you know not going back to those yeah yeah you hope that there's you hope there's a balance there somewhere you know for sure yeah yeah cool well sweet well cool i mean yeah it's i don't want to take up much it's been a little bit so i don't want to take up too much more of your time (laughs) cool well thank you did you guys have any did you have another question jesse are you good no i mean i could ask you questions all day i have to hop (laughs) in a minute anyways but (laughs) cool do you need you want like josh you want Josh's number or like what's the deal? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> he'll talk Daniel's actually, character. I, I will, I will, I will say because I know you're a big fan of him. Like, he is actually like a genuinely good person. Like, exactly. Like, like you, you, you've you've picked a good one. You've picked a good one to like look up to. Like, okay. seriously, <laughs> it seems like it. Honestly, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of people that aren't, and he's like he's a he's a very quality human being. Um, and I think like super talented, and I hope like. I hope other directors give him an opportunity to do stuff like this. Cause like he totally deserves it and like can, can do it, you know? Yeah. So like, I, I hope, he, I hope he gets more of those opportunities if, if it's what he wants to do, you know, um, yeah, right, then right. I hope that he gets to do that. So good to hear because what was that saying? Good to hear because some people it's like, I want to meet them, but I don't know if I want to meet them. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's, he's a really, he's a good, he's a good dude. He's, you know, he's got a book coming out. Do you know yes. that? Oh yeah. yeah. You think you sent that to me, right, Justin? Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm interested to read it. He's a super smart guy. He's, he's really, he's just good, good people. So yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so if you no, see him talk no to reason. him, tell him we're big fans. <laughs> I will. No reason to take down like the Tiger Beat posters or whatever you've got going on in your room. With Josh, so. That's great. All right. Cool. Well, sweet. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you yeah, so much. Really yeah. appreciate your time and uh, good luck with everything. Thank you. Excited about it. So. All right. Cool. Cool. Yeah, All right, really it. nice to meet you. Bye.